Up, it's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Monday, December 6th, week 13, almost in the books, and boy, another interesting week. Ah, the NFL, the gift that keeps on giving here. Did you get in this week, clinch that playoff berth? Are you still teetering on the edge like I am in a couple leagues? Uh, Well, I'm going to recap everything from around the NFL, get you caught up with all the goings-on here. We'll kick it off with Tampa. And Atlanta, Tom Brady delivering the goods, four passing scores in this one for Brady, 368. He continues to roll and continues to be an elite fantasy option. He targeted Chris Godwin 17 times in this one, 15 for 143, no scores, but it really doesn't matter when you have 15 catches for Godwin. He was a little banged up in this one, but played through it, played through it. Uh, Mike Evans, not to be, you know, he was outdone, but not to be completely outdone, I suppose. Ten targets for him, seven for 99, so didn't get you to that 100-yard threshold, but still pretty solid. Gronk balling out, eight targets for him, four for 58, and two scores. And, of course, Leonard Fournette continues to be a true feature back. He played 61 snaps, Ronald Jones, two, Giovanni Bernard, seven. 13 for 44 on the ground, eh, but 7 for 48 and a touchdown. That's a top five week right there uh, for Leonard Fournette. On the other side, well, I mean, I guess our expectations aren't that high overall for Atlanta, uh, but at least we did get Russell Gage. If you happen to start him, he had 11 catches in this one, 131 on 12 targets, so solid outing there. Another solid outing, but people are going to be annoyed by it, which annoys me, by Kyle Pitts. He had four for 48. He had seven targets. That's a good game. It's not a great fantasy week, but just chill with Kyle Pitts, all right? Uh, We did see Mike Davis actually out-snap Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson remains the lead back in early downs, 13 for 78. Of course, Davis scored the touchdown. And then Davis had four catches for 37, three for 18 for Patterson. Davis ends up just barely outscoring Patterson in this one, uh, which was interesting. Not much else doing here in this contest. Uh, Moving on to Arizona and Chicago. Kyler Murray back on the field in this one, showing no lingering effects from that ankle. Scores two rushing uh, touchdowns in this one. 10 for 59 on the ground, plus the two scores. Didn't have to throw much at all. Only attempted 15 passes and scored a touchdown on two of those. So that's a 30-burger right there. He's the number one fantasy quarterback as of right now for the week. A lot of James Conner, as we expected. 20 carries, 75 yards, good enough, but he scored as a receiver, so that turned good enough into a pretty solid day. He's the number 12 fantasy running back right now. And nothing doing for the wideouts. Just chill. They didn't need to throw. They weren't going to throw in the bad weather. Just chill, just chill, just chill. If fantasy players would just chill. Uh, But Hopkins at least got in the end zone early in this one. Two for 32 in the score. If you started him, I guess it could have been a whole lot worse. On the other side, a whole lot of David Montgomery. And I I guess a whole lot of nothing else. uh, If I really had to boil it down. 21 for 90 and a score on the ground for Monty. 8 for 51 as a receiver. He's the number two fantasy uh, running back right now. Nothing really doing uh, elsewhere, I mean, you had some Jimmy Graham in this one, which is just what we expected, of course. Yay. Great. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 5 for 27, so he kind of comes back to earth. Jakeem Grant ended up being the best play 
out of these receivers. But no, he's not going to be a guy we're running out to pick up. Uh, kind of what we expected there for Chicago, unfortunately. Chargers, Cincinnati. Justin Herbert was dealing in this one, making it look easy uh, early in this contest. And, and a surprisingly uh, commanding victory for the Chargers here. He goes 26 to 35 for 317 and three scores through the air. He's a top five fantasy quarterback. Of course, one of those scores going to Jalen Guyton and the other two going to Keenan Allen, who didn't have a big yardage day, but it doesn't really matter. He goes five for 34, but two scores, so he's a top 10 guy. Uh, Mike Williams still pretty solid too, by the way. Five for 110. I thought Williams looked really good in this game. Uh, Austin Eckler does get in the end zone as a runner, 14 for 59, and then 5 for 45. So really overall, uh, just a good day. Now, Cincinnati did look off early on in this one. Uh, They certainly did, but they were still able to fill up the stat sheets enough so that it wasn't a disaster. If you were playing, for example, Joe Mixon, 18 for 59 in the score, I'll take that. It's a top 24 week. I don't love it, but I'll take it, like I said. T. Higgins, another strong performance, 9 for 138 and 1. Jamar Chase should have been a bigger day, 5 for 51, not what you're looking for right there. And then Joe Burrow uh, running for another touchdown, not his best performance as a pro, but I think, you know, overall, He's the number nine fantasy quarterback for the week, so we'll take it. Uh, Moving over to Minnesota and Detroit, we did get exactly what we thought uh, in terms of Alexander Madison, and that was a lot of them. Alexander Madison, 22 for 90 and a score, 3 for 34. That's a top 10 fantasy week. Justin Jefferson, 11 for 181 and a score. Uh, And uh, Adam Thielen banged up in this one on that side. On the other side, comeback victory for Jared Goff. Finding Amaranth Ross St. Brown in the end zone. 10 for 86 and a score for St. Brown. He's finally coming on. Jamal Williams, 17 for 71, 1 for 9. Not the most effective day for him, but I think we had our expectations tempered anyway. Uh, 4 for 49 and a score for TJ Hawkinson. Pretty solid day for Hawk right there. And this week is, of course, brutal at tight end. Uh, let's do a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the Giants and the Dolphins facing each other. The G-Men and the Dolphins, I mean, hey, we weren't too excited about anything on the Giants side of the football with Mike Glennon under center, and he was banged up in this one. There was some thought that he he could have been concussed, but uh, he didn't come out of the game, so I guess that wasn't the case. Anyway, uh, Saquon Barkley, 11 for 55, ran hard. He had 6 for 19 as a receiver. That's That's an RB2 week, which is basically what I said we should be expecting out of him. Did see a little bit of Devontae Booker in this one as well. He played 23 snaps, 49 for Saquon. Uh, In terms of the passing game, we didn't expect anything. The only bright spot, if there was any bright spot, Evan Ingram, 4 for 61. I mean, that's not terrible. It's not terrible at all. In fact, it's top 10 as of right now. Moving over to the Miami side of the ball, I think it is fair to say that Tua Tungavailoa loves himself some Jalen Waddle. Another double-digit target, target outing. Goes 9 for 90. That's a top 15 week. De- Devontae Parker back on the field. 5 for 62. Not terrible for him. Of course, the touchdowns, though, don't go to either of them. They go to two guys who saw one target on the day each. Mac Hollins and Isaiah Ford. Yay. Uh, Tua, not terrible. Uh, he's number 13 in, in quarterback scoring right now. 
We'll see if either of these guys tonight can pass him. I would assume Josh Allen would. Maybe Mac Jones as well. But still, that's a top 15-week worst-case scenario. Miles Gaskin had eight, uh, 15 carries for 44. Nothing doing there. It wasn't a very good outing. We did see some Savan Ahmed in the run game in this one. Uh, moving on to Philadelphia, the Eagles and Minshew Mania against the Jets. And the Jets actually showing a little something here. Uh, let's start on the Philly side. Is Gardner Minshew going to be a starter beyond this point? Eh, I mean, it was okay. It was okay. There was some really nice play calling in this game. I will say that, too. Uh, he ends up going 242-2, and two, but only 135 air yards. He was dink and dunk, so I don't think so. Uh, but we shall see if you happen to pick him up how long Jalen Hurts will be out. Of course, it was Dallas Goddard all day. Six for 105 and two scores. Giddy up Dallas Goddard. If it wasn't for George Kittle, that would have been uh, obviously one of the plays of the week right there. Kenny Gainwell, for some reason, getting a lot of run in this one. Uh, Miles Sanders, he did re-aggravate the ankle, but he went 24 for 120, caught three for 22. Both Gainwell and Sanders' top 15 options. No Boston Scott in this one, which, you know, again, the Eagles are kind of all over with the all over the place with that second or third running back, second and third running back spot. Anyway, uh, moving over to the Jets, Zach Wilson. I mean, I don't want to completely trash this guy. I know that's like the in vogue thing to do, but it wasn't terrible by any means. He ends up having a rushing score. He goes 23 of 38 for 226 and two scores. Connects early with Elijah Moore, has the the short Ryan Griffin touchdown. It wasn't terrible. And I do think there's at least some, you know, that's an encouraging sign. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Tevin Coleman, like we expected, led in touches and it wasn't even close. He ends up with 14 touches in this one. Uh, just three for Ty Johnson, just three for Austin Walter. And Tevin Coleman, RB24, I mean, hey, not terrible, right? That's that's the moral of the story this week for the Jets. It isn't terrible, Jets fans. The Colts and uh, the Houston Texans, I guess we're just, you know, we've, we've become accustomed to Jonathan Taylor just being at least a top 12 guy, if not better, every single week. And that's exactly what we got this week. Was he the number one running back for the week? No. As of right now, he won't be, uh, and that's fine because he's the number three running back for the week. 32 for 143 and two scores. He didn't have any involvement in the passing game. That's fine. By the way, if you are paying attention at home, why have I said, have why have I not been mentioning Marlon Mack's name as a handcuff? Because of Deion Jackson, who played in this game, and Marlon Mack didn't, and Deion Jackson had a touchdown in this game. Six for 19. I, I don't know who ends up being the cuff ultimately there. I don't want to say it's definitively Jackson, but I cannot definitively say that it is Marlon Mack. Michael Pittman, six for 77. Solid enough. It's a top 20 week for you right there. On the Houston side, while this was um not good, uh, I, I, not terrible is the moral of the story for the Jets. For the Texans, not good is the moral of the story. Terod Taylor pulled... Uh, and then you ended up having Davis Mills, who really did not do anything more than Terod Taylor. So it was a tough week there if you use Taylor in two quarterback leagues like I did. Brandon Cooks feeling the effects, three for 38 for Cooks, and that was kind of the best play. Uh, as expected, Rex Burkhead did lead in touches, but he only had nine touches in this one. Uh, moving on to Washington and the Raiders. 
really nice, uh, nice game to showcase uh, running backs. Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson. Gibson, 23 carries, another game over 20 carries. 88 yards on the ground. Goes 5 for 23 in a score as a receiver. That's top 6 right now. Logan Thomas got in the end zone early and then, unfortunately, suffered a season-ending injury. John Bates, maybe the next man up. Uh, we'll see if Ricky Seals-Jones can get to, to being healthy here. Uh, otherwise, not much doing in the passing game. Wasn't the best week for Taylor Heineke, but he did have two passing scores at least, as I just mentioned. On the Raiders' side, as I, I said you know, in the lead-in here, Josh Jacobs, man, and, and I really love the way the team is using him now. 13 for 52 and a score on the ground is solid, but nine catches on nine targets for 38 yards is more solid. I love this. This only made too much sense, and now you know you have Bisaccia in there, and they're doing it. It's great. Hunter Renfro, another heavy volume day, 10 targets, 9 for 102. And unfortunately, Foster Moreau, who didn't leave the field, didn't do much of anything. He at least salvaged with a 1 for 34, <laughs> but he hit the over on 31 and a half receiving yards, but that was it, just three targets for him. That one didn't work out. Should have known better than to mess around with tight ends. Of course, if you messed around with George Kittle, you did all right for yourself. You did all right. Uh, George Kittle... In this game, which moving on to the next game here, San Francisco and Seattle, uh, went off. Had one of the better tight end performances of the entire season. Nine for 181 and two. He was phenomenal in this one. Almost 40 PPR points. And really, other than Elijah Mitchell, who ended up touching the ball 25 times because that's what he does, wasn't a phenomenal fantasy play, but good enough. 15 or 14 actually in PPR scoring right now. So that's that's solid. Other than that, though, there was nothing doing on the San Francisco side. Brandon Ayuk was not the play we had hoped he was going to be. Just three for 55. That's it. Not a great day there because, again, it was just all Kittle. And then on the Seattle side, well, something interesting is brewing. So Adrian Peterson did, in fact, play, did, in fact, score a touchdown, moving up in the record books and all that jazz. But Rashad Penny was the lead back, or at least played the most snaps. I don't know if I would go as far as saying lead back. He didn't score as many fantasy points as Adrian Peterson. Peterson beat him by 0.4. And of course, Travis Homer with the fake had the long touchdown. So he looks like a great running back play, but he, he, he wasn't. He was a passing down back. So there's that. But I think there's a very real possibility we see more and more Rashad Penny going forward. Now, not enough to be anything more than a flex consideration. But we're going to have to talk more about that on the show tomorrow. Uh, DK Metcalf, eight targets, caught five for 60. Wasn't a great game, but honestly, he continues to look really good. Lockett got in the end zone, so he ends up being the better play. Honestly, Russ wasn't bad here. He ended up exactly where I ranked him as of right now at quarterback 14, assuming Josh Allen probably outperforms him. But still, wasn't that bad, wasn't that good. And I think that's the moral of the story here. Somehow, Gerald Everett had four catches for seven yards, too, by the way. Anyway, uh, moving on to the final game on the slate for us. That, of course, being Denver and Kansas City. Not going to bury the lead here because there's a lot to talk about on the Kansas City side. But Javante Williams, yes. Everything we thought it could be and maybe a little bit more. Because as of right now, he is the number one fantasy running back for the week. And I find it hard to see that changing 
23 for 102, 6 for 76 on 9 targets, and a touchdown as a receiver. It was awesome. And I do think that while Melvin Gordon, when he comes back, will get some work, you're going to have to put Javante in the lead. You're going to have to. If Melvin Gordon had this same opportunity the other way around, maybe it would have been 23 carries. Maybe it would have been 102 yards. But I don't think it's 6 for 76 and a touchdown as well. Javante Williams, just at the nick of time for some of us, maybe too little, too late for others of us, unfortunately. But rookie running backs in December, man, I love it. I love it. Otherwise, uh, Jerry Judy ends up being the, the only playable option, essentially, out of the wideouts yet again. Four for 77 for Judy on six targets. Cortland Sutton also saw six targets, but did not, did not catch most of them. Only two for 15. He was seeing targets heavily downfield, though. So was that uh, he had uh, averaged up a target of 18.5 yards, but did not really convert much. On the Kansas City side, Patrick Mahomes scores a rushing touchdown very early in this game, and that was pretty much all the scoring. Like, literally for anybody in this game on the Kansas City side. Tyreek Hill, two catches for 22 yards on five targets. Uh, Travis Kelsey, three catches for 27 yards on eight targets. I mean, he did have eight targets. Claude Edwards-Lair, 14 for 54, meh. Three for 28, ugh, good enough to get you RB2. Same thing with Daryl Williams, five for 20, yuck. Three for 60, okay. RB's 22 and 23 for the week. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback 19 for the week. Now, Denver is a good defense. So there's going to be like weeks like this, especially in December. But I do think this is a great time of year to just take a look back at what you did. Did you draft a quarterback early? Like as in the second or third round? Was that quarterback Patrick Mahomes? I mean, obviously, if you drafted Mahomes, you know. It's there's just too much darn volatility. And I don't care if it's a one-quarterback league or two-quarterback Superflex league. Drafting a quarterback early invites too much volatility to the equation. In a one-quarterback league, write it down for August. Draft a quarterback in the late rounds. The late rounds start at round 10. Draft a quarterback in the late rounds. If it is a quarterback who we could potentially use as a every week option, so this this year is about nine or ten of those guys, well, then you probably don't need to draft another quarterback. Like, if somebody falls who shouldn't be there, you don't need to draft another quarterback. Focus on hitting upside at wide receiver, running back at, at tight end. If it's a, a, a late-round safe guy, then you also draft an upside guy, and you just be prepared to take it from there, right? In a one-quarterback league, that's the strategy. A lot of people got it twisted. I don't wait until ten quarterbacks are off the board in a one-quarterback league. That's a different strategy. Ten quarterbacks is for two quarterback leagues. And really, the reason why I actually throw out a very specific number, and I know people like the number, but I'm not willing to do that in a one-quarterback league because one-quarterback leagues tend to be more similar to each other, whereas two-quarterback leagues, I've been in some where 10 are off the board by the end of the second round. I've been in some where 10 are on off the board in the fifth round. They're all over the place, and especially in home leagues where a lot of people just don't know how to draft in a two-quarterback league. I'm in a home league where eventually, it was, I think it was the fifth round, and Dak Prescott was still there, so it took freaking Dak Prescott. And it, it didn't even, you, 10 quarterbacks were, weren't even off the board, but it was eventually it was at a point where I was like, well, there's just too much darn value. I crushed wide receiver early and still ended up having Joe Mixon in that league. So why not? 
I adjust to the situation. So it's not even a hard and fast rule, but it's a rule that I'm still going to follow in almost every instance. And a lot of people, I think, got that confused this year. But write it down. August will get here before you know it. But so will week 14. Tomorrow on the podcast, I'll break down the waiver wire here for week 14. Get you set up. Final week of the fantasy football regular season. At Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, FTNFantasy.com, FTNBets.com, FTNDaily.com. Use that promo code RATPACK and get a discount. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out.